You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In this week's episode, Father Paul explains Abraham's obedience and its function in the content of the Pauline epistles. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Here you go. Isaiah 53, 7. Hmm? which is that word that is found in Isaiah 53, 7 for a burnt offering. So the connection is made in the text itself. You see here how it is according to the will of God that Isaac becomes a lamb that is offered. It's not the will of Abraham. Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering for my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place, Abraham built an altar there. And already this tells you that there is something a little bit negative here always. And even Isaac, That is, if you like, the scar in Isaac that at one point he builds an altar. A reminder that no one is perfect, perfect in the Bible, very powerful. And laid the wood in order and bound. And that's a word that became very important in the Jewish tradition, the offering of Isaac as a haqidah. Aqad, to bind. Actually, it's very interesting for those who know Arabic because one of the words that reflect covenant or pact or agreement in a deed is the verb aqad. Aqada. In Arabic, uqda is the knot when you bind two things together in the knot. So, It's very important, and I bring it up because it has pervaded the Jewish tradition, being bound. And that, by the way, confirms the fact that Isaac did not offer himself as we like always to speak, even about Jesus. That's why in all my books and in my preaching, Jesus accepted the will of God to be offered and not offered himself. And if you hear Philippians 2, it is very clear that it is the will of God. But obviously, you have to accept it because you can refuse it. But when you accept it, you don't say, it's my will to accept. You say, I accept the will of God. And that's the importance of the being bound. And this will be picked up 
by Luke in Acts where he speaks all the time about being bound in the jail, bound and then you're liberated from the binds that the others put on you and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Then Abraham put forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Okay, very important, this word shahat, to eliminate completely his son. But the angel of the Lord, okay, the angel of the Lord is the full expression of the will of the Lord or God. You know that angel means the messenger, the plenipotentiary messenger. Okay, that it's the Malak in Hebrew that gives us the Evangelos. That's why when Paul refers to himself, you have accepted me as an angel, as Christ himself, you know, the one who accepts the emissary, accepts the sender and so on. So let's not make a big deal about it and differentiate between the two as it was done in patristic theology. It's a loss of time. Again, it's functional. Called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Notice how the move from God to the angel of the Lord is functional. It is to keep always God as the one who is beyond everything and you deal with him with fear, the yirat of God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me, which is Yahid again which is going to appear a third time, okay, in verse 16. So here again, the three-time repetition, Yahid, 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 meaning that it is the one through whom the promise of God, according to scripture, was going to be realized, and then you are eliminating. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Very interesting because the original of ram is isle, and isle is a very interesting word. It means ram and it means oak, something very powerful. Notice how when you open the gate of a city, you ram it, you would have a head of a ram to push it. It just has this function, Ail, Ram. So, God is always in control and he asked for a lamb, but he can provide himself even a ram. And then when you hear it in the Hebrew, it's ram and ork is very powerful because it connects the wood with the sacrifice caught in a thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son one more time if you remember that isle in the original 
indicates ram and oak notice here in the dictionary i have ram and then a second metaphoric man of power something very powerful so we have this play again in the original and this burnt offering is instead of his son okay so abraham called the name of that place the lord will provide but in hebrew we have the lord will see or sees much more powerful which is i mean if you have it in english the overseer it's powerful god sees you know the english uh, always plays between the present and the future to translate the original hebrew imperfect it is just a statement general statement compared to the perfect where the action has already taken place later we shall deal with i shall be what i shall be i am what i am and so on it's in hebrew the same function you can split between the present and the future as in our languages as it is said to this day on the mount of the lord it shall be provided very interesting in other words on the mount of the lord it is the lord who will see who will make things happen behar yahweh yara e it's the passive the nifal of ra but obviously scholars always speak about the famous divan passive it's not it will be seen by whom it's very clear that would be by the way a verse that should be used in our teaching when we speak about the divine passive knock and it will be open unto you it is as though the maid yasmina will open to you no 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 it is functionally the action of god meaning it is not under your power you can only knock you can't open it will be open for you but in this verse it's very clear that the action will be done by god himself and the angel of the lord called to abraham a second time from heaven and said by myself i have sworn says the lord so it is the lord who is speaking here the angel is just conveying the words of god because you have done this and have not withheld your son your only son the third time so this yahid really is a refrain in chapter 22 it's not a passing adjective i will indeed bless you and i will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore okay here for sand we have the word 
that means specifically sand hole. Earlier in a previous podcast, I spoke about the Afar because in many places, in this same blessing, we have the word Afar, okay, which means the dust. So it's conceived as sand, as dust, and it is natural, even if you don't know original, because it stresses the multiplicity, the many descendants. And your descendants shall possess, and here, you know, this is very irritating for me, especially when I discovered that in uh, this much-hailed book of teaching Hebrew grammar and was recommended to my class by Dr. Benton, where the famous Siaw, professor of Hebrew, whose book has been hailed, and yet I could not, I could not believe my eyes when he gives the translation of Yarash as possess. I mean, I could accept it in translations, but not in a book of Hebrew. There we go, friends. So watch out for this possession. I mean, sometimes you have the word, but to assume, as the 1952 pro-Zionist RSV decided, that the ground of Israel and the land and the earth of Israel should be translated both as land of Israel in Ezekiel and then inherit all the time as possess, that is really sacrilegious. Okay. And your descendants shall inherit as a gift from God and not possess the gate of their enemies. Yarash has the connotation of receiving from someone else. Possess, not so. So one has to be very careful here. The gate of their enemies, as we shall see in the book of Joshua, you will conquer the cities, becomes your inheritance. But as we shall see in Joshua, the mistake of the people was to assume that their inheritance is their possession. And that is why they are slapped in the face when Caleb and not Joshua will be assigned the inheritance of Abraham, which is Hebron, which is mentioned twice, this story, very powerful in Joshua. Twice we are told that Caleb gets Hebron as inheritance. And by your descendants shall all the nations, which parallels families in Genesis 12, so here again we hear how the goyim in the Bible are perceived as clans, flocks. Very important. We have words used sometimes as nations, sometimes as families, but the first time in Genesis 12 is that families shall bless themselves because you have obeyed my voice. In Genesis 12, we have shall be blessed, here shall bless themselves. Again, scholars makes a big deal about the difference. In both cases, 
the blessing comes from God and you are entering it. In other words, you shall be the cause of the blessing of the nations and the families. And this is something very important that the readers of Paul miss and thus misunderstand Paul who knew his Bible that it is the obedience of Abraham that is given as an example for us to follow. So Abraham trusted as we heard in chapter 15. He accepted the word of God as a word of command. You remember in 15 you don't have a command. It says that Abraham accepted. But then in chapter 22, and that's the reason why I like to connect chapters, the, if you like, faith or trust of Abraham was tested by God himself. Is it indeed so or not? And here he passed the test through obedience. And this is what Paul stresses in his letters. Not by faith. I believe that's fine. I don't want to do anything. You have to do something. And the doing is in the obedience. And that is captured in Philippians chapter 2. Where the action of Christ is precisely his obedience to the will of God. But Paul is smart immediately after this passage in Philippians, he says, because God will perfect your action because he is the one who wills your will to do his will and your action. And you have it also in Ephesians, as you will see in my commentary, where he stresses that that's why God foresaw for us actions, erga, we have to do according to his will. And here I need to take an aside. People are always amazed. What do you do? So what, what is your, your part here? part is not to chip in. Notice how I criticize the chip in. Your part is to do God's will, which means his action. That is why in my comments on 1 Corinthians, I say that Paul is the synergos to Theou. But this does not mean make God the synergos of Paul. You know, this North American, American equality. No. If Paul is the co-worker of God, it does not make God the co-worker of Paul. Mm. Timothy is the co-worker of Paul, which does not make Paul the co-worker of Timothy. You have a priority. And then you do the work of God. This is where I come when I speak against the chipping in. So Paul would have told you, are you listening to Genesis 22 with me? 
Abraham did not offer his son. Abraham obeyed God who asked him to offer his son. But isn't it the same thing? No, brother. And the Orthodox priests are totally emasculated before that because I tapped them on the shoulder. How come the bread that was prepared by Mrs. Smith suddenly becomes the bread that God has given you to offer him? Thine own of thine own. But I don't wait for the answer because I'll have to wait for one and a half hour of quotations from the fathers, which do not make sense. And the proof is that those same priests, which I never did in my parish, but those same priests, thank the people who offer the bread. Notice the American style, which I abhor. Bless the food and the hands that prepare them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I thought God did that. Yeah, but you know, Father Paul, next time we won't have lunch. It doesn't matter. It's the teaching that is the lunch. So please communicate to my fellow North American priests. By the way, in the Middle East, we learned from them to do that. So you can imagine how I get almost a heart attack when I go to the Middle East. That's why I decided not to go anymore. You can't change the rubrics. Father Paul Laser, who turned 80 on the eve of St. Paul, and that's why they called him Paul, and I called him and he thanked me. And the greatest gift he gave me in life is to tell the students, you know, I do not agree very often with Father Paul, but I like him so much because he takes seriously the rubrics. <laughs> and if the rubrics say this, they say this. Now what you do with it, it's a different matter. The rubrics are very much scriptural because they are very old. They copied scripture. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.